Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. In 2019, the first Strange Realities Conference took place in Nashville, Tennessee. The pandemic and turmoil the following year could not stop 2020's conference from thriving in cyberspace as a live streaming event. Now, for 2021, the third annual Strange Realities Conference will combine these worlds into a paranormal hybrid event, live in person in Nashville and streaming online. Join us in exploring just how truly strange our reality can be with an interdimensional lineup of speakers presenting unique and intellectual perspectives on magic, mysteries, and the paranormal. Featuring Alan Greenfield, Dr. J. Michael Bennett, a.k.a. Dr. Future, Tim Banal, Soraya Ascath, Dr. Stephen Finley, Aaron Gullius, Amy Pachula, Brent Raines, Chris Ernst, Heather Mosher, Michael Hughes, Jose Herrera, Joshua Kutchin, Kiki Dombrowski, Nathan Isaac, P.D. Newman, Stephen Snyder, a.k.a. Recluse, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Steve Stockton, and Brent Collier. Tickets available at StrangeRealitiesConference.com. It's going to be amazing. All right, and we are live. Welcome, guys. We are doing the first of our episodes previewing the strange realities conference and the speakers that we are going to have there and we are very excited in the next few in the next like a little bit of time to uh have dr stephen finley good evening good evening sir and david metcalf howdy and jose herrera is hanging out with us as well what like pasa <laughs> Hello, sir. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, we're going to do a little a, a little segment here, just kind of talking about uh, you guys' different um, presentations at the Strange Realities Conference, what you guys are going to be talking about, um, and just kind of give a little bit, everybody, kind of like a little teaser, a little preview of what we are going to be doing October 15th through the 17th here in Nashville, Tennessee. But you can see on the green screen behind me, there's our little insignia right there. And it's not a green screen. We are in the strange realities I, dimension. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're in, <laughs> we're, we're in the middle of a void right now. So uh, 
I guess we'll start with you, Dr. Finley, about what you're yeah. going to be talking about at uh, Strange Realities. And you are going to be, I will pull it up here, but uh, we'll tell everybody when you're going to be talking here in just a second. But uh, please tell us what you're going to be talking about sure. at the conference. Well, well, first of all, I think I'm the happiest one on this call because I got my sound, my audio working and I can now hear everybody. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just super excited. I'm looking at um, what I think will probably be uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan's last and greatest speech, which he delivered on July 4th, 2020, on the 90th anniversary of the Nation of Islam. It was a speech, I think actually David may have uh, listened to the speech. If not, he's read some of what um, uh, might be in my presentation. It, it's what I think was the most universal voice and um, presentation that the public uh, who has a chance to hear it would have ever heard from Minister Farrakhan. It's not a surprise to me. Um, he talks about the pandemic uh, and vaccinations and, and all those really good controversial subjects. Um, but the interesting thing, I think, in, in addition to its universality, uh, the, the, the scope of people who he, he talks about, including women's rights, uh, LGBTQ rights, um, all kinds of things that people don't expect from Minister Farcom because of his public image, uh, which I know better. And, and yet he says that everything he's been teaching for the last 30 years, he got from this mother wheel, this, this UFO on the sky to which he believes he's gonna return soon. And I think both of those ideas are really interesting that what he's taught for the last 30 years, including this last speech, which was again, a very universal tone, uh, talking about justice uh, on the planet and peace on the planet, and this idea that he's gonna return to this mother wheel, which according to him in the nation of Islam is inhabited uh, by his mentor, Elijah Muhammad, and uh, the, the creator of this vehicle, Master Fard Muhammad. I think those two things are really interesting because the latter suggests that at least for him, he's suggesting some, some survival uh, after death bodily. And I just think that's a really interesting notion that he that he connects his at least his life after death or his life. And we can't even call it death because he's, he's saying he's not going to die. He's going to be translated or depart to the mother wheel. And what he's taught the public for 30 years, he attributes both to this UFO. Okay, and that's drawing on some of your work that you've done on this. And uh, we actually had you on. Um, for an episode about this, uh, I guess that was, I guess, in the summer of 2020, we talked about that. Real fascinating, um, interesting stuff, and some aspects of all that that I really just did not know. Yeah, and, and I think, and I think, what's different about this that I want to connect to his contention that he got all of this from the will is the universality of this presentation. That's what's going to shock people. I think they've never heard this kind of stuff based on the representations of Minister Farrakhan in the media. They've never heard him talk about women's rights, LGBTQ rights, uh, 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 speaking about love for, for you know, uh, a Jewish comedian, uh, Chelsea Handler, uh, calling a white Catholic uh, from, from Chicago, Father Flager, his, his brother in Christ, 
And all of this, he says, he got from this uh, UFO experience. That's what I want to. That's what I want to communicate to folks that he connects all of this to this experience, as well as his survival uh, after whatever happens to his body. We'll have to talk about that. Well, you know, like your work has been so, I mean, it's so fascinating because a lot of people in the UFO field, they don't necessarily equate Farrakhan or the, uh, or that movement with UFOs. And they don't really talk about it. And here you are, you're a religion, uh, a professor of religion. And you are, you are talking about um, the UFO subject in the context of a religion, which I think is, probably one of the most important ways to really look at the UFO subject as a variety of religious experience, which I think it really is. And especially when you get into the contact and uh, abduction experience, that's what you really, I think that's really what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thank you. And I don't want to take up all the time, but, but with regard to your point, the Nation of Islam says we need to be talking to them about UFOs because they they say they hold the key to the real identity and meaning of UFOs. And they say they were first in the modern UFO era. And, and that's probably one of the biggest UFO religions in America, at least. It, it is. And even though I use, I've used the term UFO religion, too. Uh, I don't know how they would feel about that. I've probably used that term in conversation with David. I know I've used it before. Mm-hmm. They just say the, you, the 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 main ideas of the nation of Islam come from what we would understand as a UFO, what they call the mother wheel. And so in the sense that UFO uh, religions, uh, for these religious movements, UFOs are central. In that sense, they could be understood and recast as a UFO religion. And to, to your point, um, they're not understood in that way. By hardly anyone. But right. but me and a few other people, right? Yeah. They've actually started to to do more outreach too uh, since the the government report came out. Um, I've seen on Twitter they've actually been doing like outreach to ufologists and saying, "Hey, we want to open up a, a conversation here," you know, which is that's right, very interesting. That's right, and the government should be talking to them. But they said the government right. won't talk to them because they hold the key to what's really going on with UFOs, right? And we should also mention that we're, we're recording this four days after the 17th, right? Which was a, a visionary moment in, was it 1985? 1985, September 17th, 1985. I'll let you continue. Yeah, well, and that was when uh, Minister Farrakhan had his uh, visionary experience where he was taken up into the mother wheel um, in Mexico. That's right. On a, on a mountaintop, That's which right. is interesting because um, at Adamski, also, I don't know how close that site is that um, Farrakhan was at to where Adamski had uh, a kind of base of operations for a, a long time. And, and I also think there's some some time frame overlap, too. Wasn't that the early 30s, 1934? Uh, no, Adamski would have been the 50s. It would yeah. have been the 50s. Okay. Again, the Nation of Islam says they were first. Yeah. Well, in the, yeah, in the 30s, um, it's interesting. There's a recent case that I think uh, Lou Elizondo had brought up or it, um, uh, Mick Millen from the debrief had just mentioned it, but a case in 1933, supposedly in Italy. And so I think that their nation of Islam, uh, the date for um, 
Elijah Muhammad. was July thirtieth, five fourth, nineteen thirty. Right. And they right. said that Elijah Muhammad, that Master Fard Muhammad, began teaching Elijah Muhammad uh, about the Mother Wheel uh, maybe a year later when he joined the movement, nineteen thirty-one or so. Right. Now, now again, um, this is this is their narrative. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the the historical documentation of this, the writings and so on, but this is the Nation of Islam's narrative. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that, Dr. Finley. And of course, you are going to be uh, streaming from home. You're going to be one of the ones streaming, um, uh, streaming into the conference, I guess we could call it. On the mother yeah. wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd like, to go. Go. I'd like to go too. I just don't want to stay there. I just want to see what it's all about and come back home. And uh, you're going to be uh, doing your presentation on the 16th um, on the Sat- on that Saturday. Uh, that right. is from 11.35 a.m. to 12.35 p.m. That is Central Time. Uh, so if you are streaming the conference um, and you are in another time zone, um, adapt accordingly mm-hmm. to that. So I want to go to uh, Jose. Uh, Jose has also been on Conspiracy Normal. Everybody that uh, is involved with this conference has been on Conspiracy Normal at least once. Uh, so, Jose, uh, you were on with us last year as well, I think towards the end of the year. And I, uh, your, I think your presentation is going to be as equally fascinating. Yeah. Um, this It does have a... It's a long-term project, um, at least within the mental health paradigm, but this topic is is on a a small portion of a book project that I've been working on for the past uh, four years uh, a lot more intimately, which is basically a project that started back when I got out in 2011 um, through my wartime experiences. Uh, But the topic is on meta-war, and meta-war is just basically the ultimate form of human destruction a little bit more detailed portion of it is um, it's a collapse of temporal limits, the overcoming of spatial projection, and the incapacitation of epigenomic institutional mimetic viability by the use of kinetic and non-kinetic systems. So one of the more pertinent issues that we face today is what I call um, epigenetic, mimetic, and social entropy, um, essentially as a result of digital affective states or atmospheres generated by nation states who have corrupted our ecosystem. Um, Our mental health has, as a population, has gotten a lot more entropic, essentially a lot more disorganized. And basically what I make it akin to or analogous to is imagine providing some type of therapy to a opioid user giving them the proper tools and assessments, but then taking that person or allowing that person to go back into the same zones where those same drugs are. Um, And that's essentially what has taken place as a result of what I would call um, artificial traumas as a result of attacks. And more specifically, when you begin to look at what Russia did between 2013 and what they're currently doing in terms of sowing division by creating sock puppet farms, or what the Chinese Communist Party is doing, and more recently, FireEye cybersecurity firm released an assessment where pro-People Republics of China 
basically they have infiltrated 40 social media sites where they have hundreds and thousands of fake accounts and basically they're pushing specific types of narrative and those narratives range from creating false um, atmospheres where there's uh, portions of or there's just Asian American hate they're trying to mobilize people they're putting in false uh, memes uh, or narratives regarding COVID-19 and what it's doing is it's exploiting um, some of the more intimate cultural issues that we face today. And as a result of it, all it's doing is contributing to um, more of the, the division that we see today. So um, if you look at the 2019-2020 DOD publications, they did a large assessment of young adults and they said, hey, look, you know, individuals between 19 to 24, about 60% of them um, have low IQs. They're too obese to serve in any type of capacity. Long-term, when you decide to conduct influence operations on a massive scale, if you're to incapacitate the HPA axis, which has access to the uh, pituitary gland and the adrenal glands, high levels of cortisol, high levels of adrenaline, essentially shrink the gray matter in the brain and over time, it leads to chronic illnesses. It leads to more mental health deviations. And essentially, it disrupts entire markets along with the institutions that run off of those markets. So what we're fa facing today is unprecedented. And no one really at the national security apparatus, minus a few folks, is linking the mental health aspects to narrative warfare and mimetic warfare. And... Um, Essentially, you know, n narrative warfare is the conflict between the meaning of information and then mimetic warfare is kind of like the ideas, the stories that make up the narrative. And you can de basically deconstruct any master narrative as a result of manipulating uh, specific types of information from a story or, or, or from a, ma a master narrative. And um, we've kind of seen that today. Um, not to get too political, but we see that mainly within the Democratic and the Republican side of things. Yeah, you really pointed out that evolution of warfare that I think is really important for people to understand, um, you know, no matter where you're at politically. And uh, it's real pioneering stuff, Jose. And we, we really are fascinated by it and we want to bring it to uh, bring it to our audience in this in this conference for sure. Yeah, it's. Yeah, um, I'm really looking forward. I'm really looking forward to seeing this this presentation. Appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, so, because it is important, because I think that just like with all the disinformation and misinformation that is going on right now, and how um, people really need to understand that a lot of what is happening is, in many ways, just a way to just kill Americans by our enemies. And it's just a new kind of uh, psychological warfare, essentially. And I, I want to point out too, Jose, that you are um, also a religious, you're, you have, I guess you're in a graduate program for religious studies right now, and you're studying with uh, Dr. Well, she's Dr. Walsh now. Yeah, no. Um, so I, I graduated to have a dual degree in philosophy and religion. Um, I have a crap ton of certifications and I'm going back to get a degree, a master's, but more so an MFA um, because part of my nonfiction work has a lot of science fiction to, in order to um, 
basically write out the future. And that's kind of my objective is to present the Department of Defense with a new mental health paradigm, not just for service members, but also to the civilian population, which really you have to tie in both. It's, there's not, you can't have one without the other. And um, yeah, I met Dr. Walsh back in 2014. And ever since then, um, she's taken me under her wing and I've learned, I've learned a lot. I think I've mentioned to Dave, I'm a Pasulkian and uh, I've had the distinct pleasure of having my mind kind of, uh, well, let's just say the veil has lifted and I see a lot clearly. Um, most, of, most of my work um, started as a result of the very real reality for a lot of service members, which is suicide. Um, within my unit, I think there's been over 50 suicides. And for, um, you know, the O3 field or the infantry field, that's a really significant number. And as you know, the studies back from 1994 with the CDC, all of this is a social contagion. And just to paint a real picture here, there's 51.5 million people with any mental illness in the United States. If I wanted to exploit a civilian population center and cause severe mayhem, that's the population that I would focus on. And these are the numbers that are right now um, essentially put into some statistical format. We're not talking about the people who haven't been registered or haven't seen a doctor. So the reality of things becoming a lot more chaotic is only a matter of time because we're transitioning right now into a 5G environment, which is all about the smart city, not about the smartphone. Hmm. And I, I want to bring up this that I was, we were talking a little bit before we started that I, I was watching um, this um, thing on Hulu called The Devil You Know. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about it, maybe like a Patreon episode or something. But this um, basically both seasons, one has to do with this guy, Pazuzu Algarad, the supposed Satanist that killed a couple of guys, buried him in the backyard. And then the second season is all about this lady, Sherry Schreiner. And I, I will just from the point of view of these like documentaries that like mental health is extremely important because really that's kind of what it comes down to is a lot of people whose mental health has just gone completely untreated. Yeah. And actually one of the um, people that's portrayed and is actually portrayed very well in uh, the first season is actually an Iraq war veteran. But, mm -hmm. you know, you can tell, you know, he, he, he admits that he has PTSD and, and all these type of things. And, um, it's very revealing of just like the kind of abysmal state of mental health in this country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I have one more point to make and then, and then I'll sure. keep my mouth shut. Um, there are adaptive therapies. There are solutions to what's happening. And there's a very fringe thought. It's not fringe between us. And I've talked with it. I talked a lot with David intimately regarding it, but we can use soft psychism in order to prevent suicide and mental health degradation. Um, we use psi in the battle space. There are programs that have been conducted, which we use to hunt. And those same programs can be retrofitted in a mental health format with an encrypted uh, information ecosystem and the technologies 
the problem is is that if we don't change the course of action within the next decade or so, um, we're, we're not going to bounce back. Yeah. And that's all interconnected with this whole phenomena. That's very sobering, Jose. Does anybody have anything to, to add to what Jose is talking about? Well, I, I think that, you know, especially for uh, the conspiranormal audience, that it's incredibly important because one of the battle spaces that have been opened up is the, you know, not only the conspiracy culture, um, but also the the paranormal culture. All of these topics um, are targets. And they're, they're also spaces, right? Like there's space where these narratives are driven into because if you hit if you hit the outside if you hit the fringe it ripples back into the mainstream and you may not be able to hit the mainstream directly but if you hit these fringe areas it will come in and we've seen that in the past you know four or five years that um you know QAnon and and a bunch of these uh movements that seemed inconceivable a decade ago that they would gain, you know, such a mass following to the point where, you know, people's grandmas were on the white house lawn. You know, I mean, that, that was not something that you could have foreseen. And I think that, you know, just looking back at the past, you know, five years at least. Right. But then you've got to think of the buildup that was going to, to lay the seeds for that. Um, we're seeing this happen in you know what jose had pointed out as as a kinetic space where it's it's now becoming mobilized in people's lives in people's actions you know and in the reaction so you know the presentation that he's going to give i think is incredibly important as a tool for people who are living or you know that have their mind space in these areas you know i mean especially with the the way that the the ufo topic has become uh more mainstreamed and that kind of thing so you know, Jose provides tools and, and kind of a perspective that's really important, you know, in the real world of where these things exist, you know, not not necessarily in the the kind of fun uh, role playing sense of the, the cultures, you know, but mm -hmm. actually what, what the, the long term effects of this stuff are. And uh, I want to point out that uh, Jose is going to be giving his presentation on. Um, on all this, so we find out on my notes here. Uh, Sunday morning, the 17th, uh, that is going to be 9.15 a.m. to 10.15 a.m. That's when Jose Herrera is going to be speaking. And uh, that, again, is uh, United States Central Time. So for the online people, the people that are actually going to be there. Uh, sorry, Jose, to put you so early on a Sunday morning. Uh, Oh no, man! I'm I'm usually up by two a.m. every morning. <laughs> yeah, and and you and you might you might actually be. I think you're going to be in New Mexico, so I think you're going to be like an actual hour behind that. So let's uh, let's get to Mr. Metcalf here finally and talk about his presentation, which we kind of got a review of in our Patreon um, hangout, mm -hmm. a preview of. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, talking about. Um star seeds <laughs> so after after the heavy stuff of uh dr finley and and jose um but actually um it's it's nice to have uh have jose and dr finley on here because the presentation that uh i did on the zoom call 
was kind of like my initial um, research into the topic of the sort of starseed narrative. And it touched on some of the stuff that, um, you know, I think that uh, Dr. Finley talks about in terms of the, you know, the, the nation of Islam being a little bit different than the way that people think, um, you know, and, and Jose's discussing these concepts of narrative warfare. Um, and both of those areas, I think, are, are something that I want to delve into with um, kind of what I touched on with the origin of this concept of the star seed, which is um, a cultural movement um, and a narrative in which um, the idea is that there's certain people among us who are, you know, either reincarnated or walk in from another star system or are, you know, actually physically have, uh, you know, manifested from these extraterrestrial races or, or multidimensional races. Um, you know, the, the presentation that I gave on the, the Zoom thing, kind of the rough draft of this presentation, uh, I look at sort of the history of the, the narrative build. One of the things I didn't touch on, though, was the importance of uh, the Starseed narrative in black culture. You know, you think of someone like George Clinton, right? Like in the Parliament Funkadelic and the, the mothership, right? Or, you know, uh, Sun Ra, who, who embodies this starseed narrative in a, in a completely unique way, which actually uh, predates and anticipates the ways that um, SRI and some of the folks that were aligned with the, the psychic warfare program in the 70s would envision the starseed narrative, you know, and uh, Timothy Leary as well with his starseed transmission, but as sort of a force for cultural change, as a, a way for um, the human to move forward into this next age, you know, and so um, I really want to kind of delve into the different ways that that's been expressed, because right now we see it in a very specific way. There's a very specific sort of starseed narrative that's um, within the sort of neo-New Age movement um, and that. But there were, there's different ways that it can be viewed, you know, even within hip hop culture. Um, there's a lot of hip hop artists that, that draw on what's essentially a starseed narrative. Um, and there's an interesting way that that goes back to new thought and, uh, you know, books like the Kabbalion, um, which and William Walker Atkinson's new thought, which heavily influenced um, some of the, the five percenter movement. And um, the Circle 7 Quran comes out of uh, some new thought roots. Um, there's a lot of interesting, just these different interesting cultural tie-ins. And in, in terms of what Jose is talking about, I definitely want to address the way that, you know, when people at, uh, within the SRI circle um, were talking about this and talking with, um, you know, folks associated with the Institute of Noetic Science, and Brad Steiger, who uh, wrote some of the kind of key 1980s books that centralized this concept of the starseed from very divergent sources, um, that that narrative that they were looking at with the starseed was a weaponized narrative and a defense narrative in the sense that they saw it as a way to reprogram humanity. You know, so uh, something like the Changing Images of Man um, project, uh, the Starseed narrative was a part of that thinking. 
you know and if it mm-hmm. if we if we see those possibilities in it someone like sun ra becomes really fascinating because he saw those possibilities as well but he actually embodied them in a way that we don't see with uh a lot of uh you know sort of the the contemporary cultural examples of the star seed narrative you know sun ra lived the experience in a way that you know if you read his poetry if you listen to his music if you've ever seen the orchestra play you know the orchestra is still around and if you hear the guys who played with sun ra like this was not this wasn't cosplay you know this was actually a very um viable way of being that he he embodied and you know i'm uh from chicago and phil coran who played with the orchestra still teaches in Chicago and runs community groups, you know, and I saw the orchestra perform in Millennium Park and it's, it's outrageous. I mean, you, you can't even imagine the feeling that comes from, uh, this music. And this was music that Sun Ra said was, you know, channeled from, from space, you know, it was channeled from Saturn. It was channeled and it was here to heal the world. So I'm going to look at the different ways that, you know, there's there's that example of Starseed, and then there's something like, you know, New Age channels selling nutritional health stuff on Instagram, you know, and <laughs> a little bit different, you know, doesn't quite have the same community and cultural focus. <clears throat> so I'm excited to be on tonight um, with Jose and Dr. Finley because their work has really inspired me um, and also I think... Uh, you know, specifically for this presentation is going to inspire a kind of different angle on the topic. Very good. Cool. Absolutely. Uh, anything to add to that, Dr. Finley? And No, no I just really like what, uh, what David is doing. And we've, we've talked a little bit about it and um, I just love the project and I'm looking forward to hearing uh, the fuller version of it. I'll, I'll, I'll be in his session as well. Uh and I want to point out that David is actually going to be in Nashville uh, at Strange Realities, and um, he is going to be presenting at ten twenty-five a.m. to eleven twenty-five a.m., and that is also Central Time. So, adjust your calendars, clocks accordingly. Uh, and actually, uh, real quick, we have somebody that actually asked a question. Uh, this may be more your uh, expertise, Doctor Finley, but. Sure. It says, into the nation of Islam and Scientology and communication with each other <laughs> and doing some sort of exchange. We may have mentioned this whenever yeah. we spoke uh, yeah. when I had you on the last time. So, Yeah, we, we did. They're actually in official relationship. And so I don't know as much about the intricacies of Scientology. Maybe some folks, maybe, maybe David, maybe Jose, maybe one of you can help me unpack it. But they actually have an official relationship where... Scientology is training members of the Nation of Islam, there are hundreds now, who are auditors. And the purpose of them uh, learning auditing or being certified or whatever the uh, the term is uh, in Scientology is to use as another tool to help break the sort of mental oppression. I'm not sure what the the parallels are uh, in what Jose was talking about, uh, but they do see Scientology as a means uh, to help uh, break through some of the mental health um, uh, issues, uh, the self-hatred, and so on, 
that comes from you know living in an anti-black white supremacist world and that's how they understand their relationship with Scientology. Mr. Farcon said if it helps, he's open to it. All right. Well, I want to hey, – David, did you have something to add? Yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, with the, the auditing, um, it uses <coughs> a biofeedback device. Mm-hmm. So it actually does have a very physical aspect to it in terms of their monitoring what people's emotional responses are. You know, so Jose had been talking about, um, you know, cortisol levels and the actual changes in the physical makeup and the e-meters allow you to see that um, and allow you to actually interact with that and start to retrain the way that you you interact with it. And they also have a lot of different, um, you know, people call it brainwashing techniques. But, you know, I mean, they're essentially meditation techniques and different techniques for um, reprogramming the self and the, the sense of self, you know, so. And, it, and this intersection between the, the nation of Islam and Scientology is one that hasn't gotten a lot of attention in scholarship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not one that I planned on pursuing, but if I ever have the opportunity to interview Minister Farrakhan, which could be in the works, uh, I've asked members of the nation of Islam about it. Uh, including a prominent member of his uh, research department who said he's going to try to arrange it. Uh, it didn't work out in 2007, 2008. I'm hoping it works out because if it does, uh, David and, and the rest of you, I have to ask these questions about Scientology because I don't know a lot about it. And there isn't, I'm, I'm not sure there's been an article on it yet. Mm-hmm. And ironically, uh, at SIR Nashville, is uh, actually right next door to the Nashville Scientology Celebrity (laughs) Center. (laughs) So if you want to go next door and get e-metered, then you probably can. All right. right. Or free free personality test, as they say. Very good. I'll take one. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, starting with you, Dr. Finley, uh, please tell everybody where they can find you guys, uh, what you have available online, and any books that you guys want to promote. Well, I'm, I'm the inaugural chair of the Department of African and African American Studies at, at LSU. It just became a department this year, so they can find me at uh, AAAS at LSU. If they just Google that, I'll come up. I'm about to post uh, a new bio, uh, intellectual bio, that uh, I just had to write for someone at Rice University, Dr. William Parsons, who asked me to write it for a project he's working on. And so that'll tell you about my books. But very quickly... Uh, my book, In and Out of This World, Material and Extraterrestrial Bodies in the Nation of Islam, is now in production, finally, uh, uh, with Duke University Press. I've been working on it and working with them since 2017. Uh, it'll, it'll be out next year, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I also have a, a really interesting article that I want, I'd love for folks to uh, take a, a look at in December in the Journal of American Academy of Religion, it's supposed to appear. It's, 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 a, it's an interpretation of an African-American uh, uh, in the mid, who was born in the late, tw- uh, late 19th century named Robert T. Brown, born near Austin, Texas, uh, the son of former slaves, who may have been a progenitor of the Harlem Renaissance, uh, became uh, a physicist, uh, in quotes, a physicist and an occultist, 
uh, wrote the book, The Nature of Space in 1919, had to conceal his race to get it published. It was reviewed by mathematicians and physicists in actual uh, scientific and mathematical journals. And he's really arguing uh, for a sort of mystical uh, uh, notion of reality uh, in his interpretation, his use of non-Euclidean geometry and physics and the occult to, to frame this notion of reality. And I'm using his work to, to think through theory of religion. And so in the December version of uh, the Journal of American Academy of Religion, there is an, a round table on theosophy and the study of religion. Uh, Robert T. Brown was a theosophist for a short, for a short while. And that article, uh, or some of my preliminary thoughts of sort of the intersections of race, blackness, the occult, and and quantum physics in theory of religion. Okay, thank you, Doctor Finley. Sounds fascinating, uh, Jose. Where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, on Facebook, I have I go by an, an honor name. It's called Lewana. Um, my last name Herrera, which is H E R R E R A. Um, that's where I do some of my my postings. And then on Instagram, I post up my podcast, which is the O3XX series, where um, we use internarrative identity as a uh, mental health tool. We talk about mental health, national security matters, and just uh, breaking bread with uh, old uh, team guys. Okay. Awesome. And uh, <laughs> Mr. Metcalf. Yes. Uh, davidmetcalf.wordpress.com you can go there and buy t-shirts lots of them or stickers like the one Jose is wearing <laughs> like the one Jose is wearing exactly the saucers will keep their secrets um, I'm on Twitter as David B. Metcalf and uh, Instagram I believe it's Liminal Analytics but yeah uh, you have a lot of articles out. I also am the editor-in-chief for the Threshold Journal of Interdisciplinary Consciousness Studies, um, which is out of the, the Winbridge Group, uh, Winbridge Institute, Winbridge Research Center. They have a, uh, an afterlife symposium that we'll be posting soon, um, which should be fairly interesting. Uh, their specialty is in mediumship and afterlife studies and applied sci. So... Um, that will be take a look. I don't know exactly where they'll be posting that. Probably on uh, one of the Winbridge sites. So be on the lookout for the afterlife symposium from Winbridge. All right. Perfect. Well, thanks right. everybody. This was uh, these are some of the presentations I'm looking forward to the most. Yep. And uh, you can catch them, everybody, at Strange Realities again, October fifteenth through the seventeenth, online and in person. Um, we might be all sold out by now. We are not all sold out at this moment. Um, there For the in-person. There are some, uh, uh, yeah, the in-person. There are some, still some slots left. Remember, if you are coming in person, we are requiring vaccine cards. Our proof of a negative COVID test is to yeah. keep everybody safe. And uh, But there are some of those available, but there are plenty of online $30 um, tickets available. So please... Um, if you guys are interested in any of these presentations, we are going to be streaming them and uh, to a private Facebook group, just like we did last year, uh, except it's going to be in a widely different setting than we did last time. StrangeRealitiesConference.com. Thank you, everybody. All right. Thank you. 
thank you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Okay, we are live. Welcome back, guys. We are live yet again uh, with a couple of other speakers from Strange Realities Conference 2021, October 15th through 17th in Nashville, Tennessee, live and streaming online, and we hope you guys are going to join us. And uh, we've got a couple of guys that are now like veterans of the Strange Realities (laughs) Conference. These guys are both in the trenches, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, what they are going to be presenting or doing at Strange Realities Conference. One of the guys, Josh, you are actually going to be here, mm-hmm. and Tim is going to be streaming in live. Uh, yep. But uh, welcome back, guys, to well, to back back to Conspiracy Normal. It's always great to have you. You guys are like family. Well, thanks place. for having us. Yeah, it's it's a like yeah, a little. It's like a little class reunion or something. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about when you guys are going to be presenting and all that good stuff. So anybody that's uh, that's joining us online. Um, but uh, Josh, uh, let's talk a little bit about your presentation. Like I don't even know what you're going to even be talking about. Yeah, I was just going to wing it. So, yeah. <laughs> no, you and Alan Greenfield. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, you know, maybe a, a, a Alan Greenfield or a John, like or a John Tenney. You maybe just like <laughs> yeah. smoke, smoke a cigarette, just light it like real dramatically. And- that would be that would be pretty uh, pretty damn fly, as the kids never said. Um, I am I can't remember what I called it, but uh, it's I'm, I'm sort of violating a cardinal rule that my publisher that I worked with through Anomalous Books, Patrick Weege, uh, chided me for one time, which is I'm actually doing a presentation on a book that's not out yet. 
Um, we did that like eight times for women. <laughs> exactly. And it's turned out okay. So I'm going to do the exact same thing here. Um, as uh, people who have been sort of poking around in these spheres know, I've been writing a book, uh, which has turned into two books uh, about uh, the role of death in the paranormal. And uh, part of what encouraged me to write that and part of what I enjoy doing is uh, having the opportunity to, you know, do my take on uh, ancient monuments. Um, you know, there was something that was really hammered home to me, um, having been to a couple of, uh, you know, of the mounds here in uh, America, and then going over to see some of the fairy forts and some of the monuments in Ireland, is that there's just such a striking similarity there. And, you know, a lot of people will want to sort of boil it down and reduce it and say, oh, it has something to do with ancient aliens or, you know, Lemurians or Atlanteans building, you know, that's, that, that's not where I go with it. Um, because I think that the shared component is the human component, the human element. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've been fascinated by the idea of, you know, an Irish settler, um, stumbling upon the Etowah mountains, you know, <laughs> down here in Georgia and being like, Oh, it looks like a fairy fort. Haven't found anybody who's uh, actually recorded that reaction. But with that idea in mind, uh, there's a significant portion of the books that I'm working on right now that focuses on, uh, monuments as strange attractors and mon by, by monuments. I mean, tumuli, um, you know, burial mounds, um, stone circles, uh, megaliths etc so this is this is josh's take on uh monuments and it gets it it's kind of standard um and then it talks about some of the factors that might actually cause these monuments to be attractors of strange phenomena before completely veering off into you know batshit insane territory so <laughs> we'll see that's how i'll end it we'll we'll see how that goes over if if, if if it goes over with a flop i might take that part out of the book um but yeah so it's josh's uh uh guide to monuments uh, ancient monuments and how that intersects with the paranormal you're just angling for a spot at megalithomania that would be so much fun you know what i would i would whore myself out as much as anybody wants yeah, yeah and, and I'd be jealous. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess when you're, are you going to kind of go the fairy lore angle with this, Josh, a little bit? Um, partially, you know, I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that, um, that wherever monument builders are forgotten, we sort of nest the supernatural builders in that, that, in that space. Um, you know, in the southeast, in this part of the country, honestly, uh, you'll find some fairy lore that's probably among all the North American tribes, the strongest correlation to the sort of Western European fairy folklore. And I'm specifically talking about the Cherokee folklore and their association that they have between their Nunahi and uh, and some of these mounds and earthworks. So there's a little bit of that, but it's just more looking at just the, uh, you know, the factors of construction and of citing these uh these these monuments and, and and things like that and how it sort of interfaces with the ufo question as well um so i mean yeah i mean of course wherever i'm around i'm gonna end up talking about fairy folklore like it's just it's impossible not to for me at this point yeah absolutely i mean that's that is kind of your thing you are the uh you are the uh, fairy folklore guy at this point josh well you know i had a conversation on where did the road go with morgan daimler who's like the person yeah. one of several people that i defer to right um 
whenever I'm talking about this, but I, I will say that as far as people who are really pounding that alien fairy drum, I, I really like to, to focus on that. So I've got a little bit of a reputation, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds awesome. And it uh, relates to the immediate area too. So there, there are, there are aspects of the presentation that uh, are like directly talking about, um, well, what is it? Uh, Stone Fort. Is that the, mm -hmm. the Stone, Old Fort? Stone yeah. Fort? Yeah. The Old Stone Fort. Yeah. So that, that, that makes an appearance and some other stuff in the immediate vicinity. So yeah, it seemed, it seemed pretty appropriate. Cool. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, the whole like Indian mountain is, uh, a really uh, fascinating subject. I, mean, I don't think people really realize just how prevalent it really is and that, you know, you can find a mound just about anywhere, especially in this part of the country. Yeah. I think Gregory little um, speculated. Uh, now, of course, you know, he's a little bit more on the esoteric side, like all of us, but he's a very, yeah. he's, he's, he's a cool cat. Um, and he, yeah, I think he speculated that there were like a million mounds in America at one point, which still is not the same density that you see with, you know, ring forts in Ireland, but you know, it's a lot bigger canvas, um, to work on. Uh, but yeah, it's, there's something about, you know, I think there are a lot, a lot of people haven't been to these things, right. And just, they just don't go there. I think like 80% of America's population stays in the cities. Like it's, it's, a, it's, it's wild, but, um, once you go to some of these spaces, um, you know, even before I was really involved in the paranormal, I visited some of these mounds and whatnot, and it, it, there's something different about them. Um, and you can, like, you can fall into the ancient alien thing. You can fall into the sort of racist, weird, you know, foreigners who built the mound sort of thing. The ancient one. Very easily. Yeah, you can fall into that very easily. But um, so I think because of that, a lot of people tend to stay away from like the woo stuff with the mounds. But I think that it's, it's definitely a factor in a lot of these sites and it's, it's worth, it's worth consideration, especially when you compare that to how the, uh, the old world monuments have the same thing. I mean, part of, part of the presentation is going to be saying, guess where this is County Clare or Tennessee, you know, <laughs> and really trying to figure out like, which is which wow. it just, it just, they, they look, they look literally identical in some cases, in some cases, not all cases. Um, and I just find that really fascinating and striking. Yeah. And even from like just a archeo astronomical angle these are places that are meant to duplicate the heavens and bring the heavens down to earth so you know yeah and you're dealing with like i mean that's this part of the presentation too is you know looking at the the cosmic mountain the axis mundi sort of concept as well um and you know the, the mountains mountains are where bigfoot lives and mountains are where the dead live or where, where the dead reside and, and mountains are where fairies live and mountains house alien bases like it's just this current it's this is this consistent rather uh, motif that you see manifesting time and time and time again. Am I seeing another book in the works here, Josh? Well, this is, this is two chapters from the upcoming book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I'd say probably it's the, my, the current book that I'm working on is split into two parts. I didn't want to after that damn where the footprints in, but um, <laughs> I, I had to, it's just, it's just too long. It's like going to be two books that are like, 120,000 words each. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, looking at death and the paranormal and uh, about, I'd say a fifth to a quarter of the first book is looking at, um, you know, these ancient monuments and ley lines and stuff like that. And it's like Josh's take on these things. So I'm excited about it. 
I'm excited to be done with it actually, <laughs> but I'm excited about, about uh, getting it out there too. Well, that, like I said, like Sirfiel said, that sounds absolutely up like the conspiranormal slash strange realities era or, you know, the, or the road. So I'm really uh, looking forward to, to seeing that. What's uh What's the new book going to be about? The new books, I guess we can say now. Well, um, this is the first time that I've put a date or a a tentative release window on something that's coming out soon. Um, I have a book of essays about fairy representation in in movies, and that is called Fairy Films. Uh, The cover artwork is by this Timothy Renner guy. Um, but it looks great. That'll be released in November. And then this book is, uh, it's, it's called ecology of souls, a new mythology of death and the paranormal. And it really is looking at how, you know, it's, it's based off that Ann Streber quote, you know, Whitley, this has something to do with what we call death. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, let's look at how many times dead people show up in abductions. But then when you do that, you kind of got to talk about, NDEs and OBEs and, you know, these, these ancient monuments and you've got to talk about the fairy folk and you've got to talk about psychopomps and you've got to, t- you just get drawn into all these different subjects. You've got to talk about the wild hunt. Um, so it, ends up, it really did end up sort of being this holistic approach where you say, at least to, to what I can tell, a solid chunk of the paranormal just revolves completely around death. And I realize it's a giant, monumental task trying to to catalog all that but I, I i i do my damnedest so we'll see but even things that i didn't think i could connect to death ended up sort of revealing themselves and i guess more specifically to that ecology of souls model like this is this is mostly soul work that we're looking at wow yeah i mean that's i think that's you were been talking about that. Like we've had some private conversations. Yeah. I think, I think about I, that yeah. For a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I was trying to figure out what to do next, I actually asked you and you're like, you've been wanting to do that. Cause yeah, I think it was back in the paramania that we did in new Orleans, which was what? 2018. Well, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't there, but no, uh, but, 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 but at, yeah. at that one, I, at that one, I had this idea like, what if we're, what if it's just one giant ghost story that we're looking at? Um, and uh, so, yeah, this is this has been sort of percolating for a long time. And, you know, I beat myself up about how long it's become. But at the same time, I'm like, well, you don't usually cram a mythology into one book, <laughs> a new mythology yeah. into one book. And then the other yeah. thing is, um, you know, this is kind of like I said, this is kind of Josh's hot take on everything and the way that the way that I make things work in my own view of, of the paranormal, um, which I'd be happy to be proven wrong on. Um, but it's kind of the way that I've I've been able to make things work. Um, so, you know, a lot of familiar ground, uh, for a lot of people, but I think a lot of new ground too. So I'm on track. I hate to say this. Don't want to jinx myself. Um, I'll, I'll probably finish it by December or February somewhere in that window. And then, uh, going to get that, get, I'm thinking I'm going to release them both at the same time. Just get it, get it on out there and move it's on to something be, else. It's going to be going to like use your illusion one and two. It's going to be the same day. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, <laughs> exactly like that. I don't know. I might be, I might be dissuaded from that at some point, but the fact that they were conceived as one book, I mean, you know, Tim and I conceived of where the footprints end um, as a single book and split it by necessity. But like, this is, I, I think we're releasing those apart sort of work because they're almost self-contained essays, but this is like, yeah, you know, by the time you get to the back half of the second book, 
every third paragraph says, you know, see chapter one, see chapter four, see chapter five, see chapter two. Um, so yeah, I think just releasing it, just dropping it all at one time, maybe dropping them together in a collector's edition, a hardcover, leather bound collector's edition. There you go. Yeah. Sounds like you're sounds like you're having twins again. Man, it feels like it. this book's kicking my ass. But <laughs> but we'll we'll see. Um I'm 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 really excited about it. And uh yeah. It's I I am it's it's nice knowing that I will never write anything longer than this because I don't think I can. So <laughs> anything after this is just gonna be gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this both of you guys have been so prolific in everything that you guys have worked on and, and done. And I kind of really just, uh, as I'm sitting here listening to you, Josh, I, and having the both of you here, uh, how do you guys feel now that, I mean, it's been a year and a half, I guess, since the first Where the Footprints In, Where the Footprints In came out and, how do you guys feel about how the book's been received? Uh, do you feel like there uh, has there been some criticism? Has there been, have people really embraced it? How do you guys feel personally about it? There's been um, a lot less criticism than I thought. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I think I think the world was ready and waiting for something like this to happen. The reception's been unbelievable. I mean, honestly, it's been far beyond my expectations. I don't know about Josh's, but, uh, uh, you know, I feel like we did something, you know, and, and we'll let we'll let history judge the rest. But there's a feeling that that we we meant we set out to do something and 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 we did it and we left our footprint good or bad. But I think I think it's I think it will be good. And um, no pun intended, right? Right, right. Well, yeah. Well, pun was very much intended, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm very proud of it. I'm very, very proud of those books, and and very happy with them. And and uh, you know, we'll see. I, it, it's almost um, worrisome to have everything else be compared against <laughs> their footprint sand from here on out. Yeah, I, I, I was just about to say, Tim, I don't know if you've experienced this with your upcoming projects, but like it's a tough act to follow, right? <laughs> like it, it occupied so much of our thought um, for mm-hmm. so long. And uh, it felt like it was saying something, I mean, not, not entirely new, but it was kind of a new, it was kind of like a new touchstone approach to something that like, it's kind of like, how the hell do you follow that up? So, um, you know, uh, I I am constantly humbled on a daily basis by how uh, successful those books have been. And I'm not like being like, yay success, you know, let's go to the club. Um, but <laughs> I, but what I really is that, mean is, is that a make it rain. Motion? That was a make it rain motion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but what I mean, but what I mean by that is like, is like the, um, the scope that I, that, that, that the book has, has sort of taken on and the um, the places that it pops up and the times that like I will hear or see it referenced in places that like, I just stumble upon it, you know, I'll just stumble upon somebody referencing it. It's like, Oh, I guess, I guess people did pay attention. Um, and it seems to have caught a lot of people's attention and um, yeah, I, I'm just incredibly grateful for it. Um, and 
Yeah, it, 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 I will say, you know, I'm going to get a little sentimental here. It is kind of weird to be on this journey again with my book that I'm writing right now to not have a traveling partner with me, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, like for, for what will be ni- my next book, I didn't even try to, to kind of do the same thing or do anything similar. I went back to my roots. It, mm-hmm. I, it's, my next one is kind of like a another Beyond the Seventh Gate. You know, it's kind of like my first book again, taking a local legend. Let's break it apart. Let's look at every angle we can. And uh, I'm not saying I won't get back into similar territory that we cover, but I just, you know, for me, it was like, well, let me just, let me go to home, you know, someplace really comfortable for me for the next thing. Well, you know, I, I think Tim and I had sort of left it with like, I don't know if we'll ever work together again. This is kind of tough, but I don't know. This is, you know, where the footprints end, uh, did so well we might have to collaborate again in the future on something i'm i'm i am not ruling it out as much as uh you know had we been in the same room that blows would have been struck i think (laughs) yeah but uh, i think we would have hugged it out as well and and uh in the end i'm i'm so proud of what we came up with but uh yeah it's it's i think it's going to be something that it's going to loom large at least in, in my writing career you know forever we'll see uh we'll see what else i do hopefully i don't disappoint well, I, for uh, having read both of the books, I can say that I'm was really impressed by both of them, and I was. I think it's like really an important book that was well books, I guess that were that were written, and I really like applaud you guys on being as thorough as you were. First of all, and second of all, pulling together uh, all the type of folklore and all the stories that you guys did. Um, I'm curious uh, the reaction from the more, I guess, in this case, flesh and blood Bigfoot mm-hmm. people and how they reacted to it and whether or not, um, I don't know if you're going to necessarily change minds, but uh, whether there was any pushback or how you guys felt about that. I think most just chose to try to ignore it. Like if we don't talk about it, it, it will go away. Yeah. And uh, we get some reviews every now and then. Josh points them out to me, and I hate reviews. So I, you know, I think I asked him eventually, like, "Don't, don't share reviews anymore." <laughs> yeah. But usually, the review from one of those people is, "I didn't even read it, but this sucks." You know, yeah. it boils down to that. Uh-huh. There, right. there, there, there was a Facebook post that was brought to my attention uh, from a very prominent cryptozoologist who was talking about paranormal Bigfoot, or I think big, no, specifically about Bigfoot. Um, side around ufos and this was in conversation with another cryptozoologist and someone made some sort of question about like you know what, what's the incidence of this and this this very prominent cryptozoologist said yeah they just don't seem to happen that often P- people have been making uh, proverbial mountains out of molehills of that for that for a long time mm-hmm. and this is somebody who i know knows about this book and i know has read this book and has recommended this book and it's like i mean if you're, if you're that set in your ways i don't i don't know what to tell you so yeah you know yeah. The old old guard's gonna old guard, you know. These it, it, these weren't things that we documented for the most part. I mean, there was we mentioned a couple like investigations. I went on a couple people I interviewed, but uh, everything in there is st- cases other people collected. Yeah. Nothing yeah. That, that we discovered, so it, it was all out there. You know, it's not hard to find. There's there's plenty of it. Yeah, but honestly, I think Tim and I were expecting to be like burnt at the stake or something, and that didn't quite happen. <laughs> Right. right. In, in fact, like I've seen people who 
I would have thought would have been really critical of it. Be like, you know what? I don't, I don't agree, but this is this, this work needed to happen. You know, this needed to be documented and chronicled. So mm-hmm. that, you know, good on them for being honest. Um, yeah, and it's one of those books that I think that, you know, people can read and just have fun with it as well. And, you know, it's a lot of interesting um, material in there. Um, and I'm hoping that um, it's one of the things that gets that that future Bigfoot research, Sasquatchery, I don't know, that that gets, uh, it's one of the books that gets cited. Because, I mean, I think it really is a good, like I said before, a good compendium of all these different types of stories there that, are, don't, that don't fit into the narrative. I think it's been cited in about three different books already uh, that I've, awesome. I've stumbled across, which always makes me nervous because it's like, you're not supposed to cite me. Like, I'm I'm the cider. You don't cite who cites the cider, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 both, both, uh, both of you guys have entered a new realm now where you're being cited so I plenty so. of cider to go around yeah there's, there's been a sighting so uh we'll turn to you tip well actually josh first let's uh tell everybody when you will be speaking at the uh, strange realities conference 2021 and uh you will be following up mr tim Banal on friday which friday is going to be all live in-person presentations that's going to be mr banal then mr cutchin here and aaron gullius and ren collier is going to finish up that night and uh that's from 6 25 to 7 25 so that uh you and uh, mr banal can hit the bar hit hit the bars downtown and have some fun so yeah that, that, that's that's uh that's, that's central of- time by the way that's intimidating going on after after Banal because he is consistently one of the funniest people I know. So, well, I I, I didn't I, I didn't actually intend it this way. No, like, no, you're good. the The whole thing is it's bookended by Tim Banal starting us off and ending us on Sunday night. Will be this man right here, Mr. Tim Timothy Renner. So Tim to Tim from end to end. We are going to be uh, Tim. What are we going to be doing with you this uh, for this for this conference? I figured I'd just stare at the camera and yes. uh, for a long time. I think I think that's <laughs> well, a good idea. We'll have you on a big screen. Can, can, on stage. can you give your presentation by telepathy? Hypno wheel behind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what are we? Go- what we're going to be doing, guys? And this is to the live audience or anybody that's watching this. Uh, later on, we are going to be doing a uh, we're going to be doing a question and answer session with Mr. Renner here. Um, last year, he gave a great presentation, and I think that uh, it ended about fifteen minutes early. And we had a great question and answer session with you um, last year. So we're going to kind of just continue that format. I believe that. Uh, Myself and Sergio, we're going to have some questions for you and hopefully questions from the live audience and from the audience that is uh, watching online. Um, but uh, we're really looking forward to doing that with you. Yes, to my great relief, because uh, I am in, you know, I thought I was busy when we were writing Where the Footprints End, but right now, like this period of my life is uh, insanely busy and um, I'm just trying to hold it together basically. So uh, I did not have 
time to cr- just create a new presentation. I, and I think I, you guys have seen all mine. So uh, it, this is a, a boon to me to, that uh, we can do a kind of a more relaxed uh, Q&A session like this. Yeah. And I think, too, that it's going to you got like I said, you're the last uh, speaker and that is going to be from 7 to 8 p.m. on Sunday evening. Again, that's Central Time uh, U.S. So uh, adjust your calendars, clocks, whatever, accordingly. Um, but, yeah. So for anybody that is watching us right now, if you guys have any questions for Tim, be thinking of those. And um, we can kind of go from there because we got a whole hour. Uh, of uh, to ask anything that you want to ask of Mr. Timothy Renner right here. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see how close I am to that next project. You know, maybe I can, uh, if it's close, maybe I can bring, bring some content relative to that, but I can't oh. promise. I can't promise anything. Okay. Yeah. We've got, um, I mean, it's still about like, we're, oh man, we're almost three weeks away at this point. Uh, Count down. It's, it's getting crazy. Uh, we do have uh, someone that asked a question. Just any sneak peeks into the, the new book? Anything that you want to say, Tim, about that? Any kind of teaser you want to give? I don't think you'll be able to read the subtitle. So I can hold it up. <gasps> oh. Is that glow in the dark? Does that No, glow it's not. It's just bright colors. I wish it was. Uh, it's called The Witch Cloud, and it has to do with uh, some things in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. That's That's all I'll give you right now. But uh, it's, uh, you know, local legends. Again, I said it is kind of like returning to my roots. If you're familiar with my first book, Beyond the Seventh Gate, where I just took the Toad Road and the Seventh Gates of Hell legend and just broke it apart and looked at it from every angle I could. Kind of did the same thing with a couple of different places in Gettysburg that that I think are connected. We'll see. uh, And um, fully illustrated, uh, it will be released with the 300th episode of strange familiars. So it will essentially be an audio book, but for instance, in the book where I, you know, I interviewed somebody and, and of course I, you know, type out the text of the interview. When you get the audio book, you get the actual interview. And there's when I, you know, there's a lot of boots on the ground on site stuff. So um, when we're there and weird stuff happens and, and certain sounds and things, Instead of just talking about it on the on the audiobook, you will hear those sounds. So it's kind of a multimedia project. The book's fully illustrated. Um, and then it's going to come with, uh, I think, 50, 50 copies will be available with a, a picture disc with uh, Black Happy Day. That's me and Tara Van Flower from Lycia. That's our project. We haven't done any new music in 15 plus years. So oh, it's wow. a, the first new Black Happy Day song and in many many years so that'll be on the picture disc record again only 50 copies will come with that the the hardcover book if you get it comes with a patch comes with a sticker and uh the first i think the first 60 60 copies in any format uh physical format in other words if you get the hardcover book and the download of the audio, or if you get the hardcover book and the record and then download the audio, there might be a cassette edition as well. People kind of wanted an analog edition, so we might be doing one with a cassette. In any case, the first 60 copies of all of them come with a trading card. So it's it, there's a lot of moving pieces. That's why I'm I'm so like crazy busy right now just trying to organize all this stuff. What about Scratch and Snuff? 
<laughs> no, not yet. Not okay, yet. Bigfoot. Okay. <laughs> can you guess the Bigfoot scat? <laughs> <laughs> this one smells a bit nutty. It must be from so uh, uh, chestnuts. So the mass is a thin volume. It's not very, you know, it's, it's not very thick. I think it's it's under a hundred pages, but there's a lot of work that went into it with all these other things. And again, it's. The only way to get Strange Familiars episode 300 is to get the download, either the download by itself or the download with this book. Unless you're a Strange Familiars patron, then you'll get it, but it'll be in like a year. Because I, I promise patrons all episodes are free, so they will get it, but they're going to have to wait a while. So uh, otherwise, but everybody wants it. You're going to want this hardcover book because it's awesome. Look at it. It's beautiful. Okay. So I've got a... What what inspired you to do kind of like the multimedia approach with this? Um, because I wanted to flex on other podcasts and just be like, <laughs> look what I can do. No, uh, I I wanted to combine something that that's like everything I love to do. You know, uh, if if I knew how to edit video, I probably would have done a video with it too. But I, I that's I do not know how to do that. But you know, I I write books, I I do the podcast and do music and art and everything. I just you know, for episode 300, I thought, let's do something big. And uh, we've been working on this for over a year that like we've been really digging in multiple visits to these sites and uh, interviewing witnesses and all this stuff. It's, so we've been really been like putting a lot of work into this. So I just said, let's, you know, let's make this big multimedia project and, and uh, show, you know, kind of everything I love to do at once. Okay. Yeah. I think that's awesome, man. Yeah. Someone says that they're going to need an eight-track version. I, I need, I need one on Edison tube. That's what my wife said yeah. something when, when I was like, "Oh, I have to figure out this cassette thing." Someone's helping me do that. I would. It, it started. The idea started. Someone said, "We need a strange familiars episode on cassette." It started almost as a joke, and it, like originally, this started out being called Strange Familiars Analog, and I was going to release a cassette episode. Mm-hmm. As we got into it, I the more we got into it, I thought that this is. Like how many people have cassette players? I, you know, I don't have a cassette player anymore. Mm. I thought like, I'd really like people to hear this. <laughs> you know? I wanted to just like throw a cassette out there and just like, yay, it's on cassette. So uh, anyway, as I'm talking about this, some people are like, but I really wanted it on cassette. So somebody offered to help me do the cassette version. Okay. When I said that there may be a cassette version, my wife asked when the wax cylinder was yes. going to come out. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I want to slap that puppy into a Teddy Ruxpin and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Guys, uh, I want to thank you for being a part of this tonight and also for being part of uh, strange realities, 2021. Uh, hopefully the, at some point we can all get back together live, but, uh, the third annual too, you guys have been here all three years. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are, like I said, you guys are the veterans. You guys started out with us in 2019. You guys are pretty much the headliners. You and mm-hmm. Banal and, uh, the two of you and Banal like, uh, stayed at the Airbnb <laughs> together. So. You, you, you know, I, I was. Yeah, I'm sure you thought I was being cheeky before we hit rec- before we hit uh, record. But I, I do like consider each of you, uh, to varying degrees of removal, my paranormal <laughs> family. So yes, <laughs> I really I, you know, I, wouldn't, wouldn't, imagine, a, wouldn't imagine wouldn't imagine not being there. Wouldn't imagine not being there. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's <laughs> you know, literally an honor to be included. Thank you guys. Yes. So much. Thank you. Um, uh, starting with you, Tim, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. And I mean, if anybody doesn't know, I don't know. They might be living in a cave, but uh, 
strangefamiliars.com. And that's got links to everything I do there. And of course you can, you can really find me on, on the trails, on the, out hiking, looking for Bigfoot. Yep. That you can. And, uh, Mr. Cutchin. Joshua Cutchin.com. J O S H U A C U T C H I N.com. Uh, All right. And wherever, and, and uh, also in the Where Do the Rogue Go expanded podcast universe of yes. podcasts. <laughs> yes. Which yeah. uh, I would like to say happy birthday to Soraya because he it is his birthday today. Happy oh, birthday, right. Soraya. Yeah. Happy birthday, buddy. Yeah. So, and uh, hopefully, 29 again. Hopefully, Soraya yep. will be with us. We're, we're, that's, we're, we're, there's some doubt as to that, but at least he will be giving in a presentation. some form. Um, so, uh, all right, guys. Um, now, uh, tickets, there are some in-person tickets still available, uh, to come if you're coming to Nashville or if you are in Nashville and you'd like to come, just keep in mind that because of COVID we are doing, uh, proof of vaccination cards and, and, and are a, Test within 72 hours. Negative tests don't come with a positive test. We don't want you there. Uh, I was positive too, so don't worry about it. Um, you know, I'm not discriminating against you or anything. But uh, so, but there are plenty be clear of, about that. Was positive. Yeah, I was. Yeah. When? <laughs> so people know More than not. 14 days ago. A month ago. A month ago. So, we are going to also, but also online, there are plenty of online tickets available. Sergio can tell you where to find those. At strangerealities.com Strange or conference.com. Uh, they'll take you to the Eventbrite, or you can just search, uh, I think by now, if you just search Strange Realities in Google, it'll pretty much be the first thing that pops up. Yeah, so, well. yeah, you can get online uh, and the limited in-person tickets you need to grab up those in-person ones if you're planning on coming because they're about to be gone forever yes yes and uh these two gentlemen will be presenting and uh thank you guys for uh hanging out with us tonight absolutely anytime pleasure all right guys take care and uh Mm -hmm. thanks to the live audience All right, guys. Welcome back to Conspiracy Normal. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a couple of things that we did live uh, last week um, on all of our Facebook pages, groups, and on our YouTube channel. And I want to thank Dr. Finley, David Metcalf, uh, Jose Herrera, and Timothy Renner and Joshua Cutchin for doing that. And just to tell you guys that we are gearing up for the conference and we are really excited about bringing it to you. So um, just to kind of reiterate what we said before, strangerealitiesconference.com. There are still in-person tickets available. Uh, Those are $70. So if you are in Nashville or around, uh, you're welcome to come. Just keep in mind, like we said before, vaccine cards and, uh, and our... Uh, negative test proof of negative test within 72 hours so that we keep everybody safe but there are plenty of online tickets available for the uh, online orders virtually unlimited yeah virtually unlimited you guys uh, you know please take advantage of that that is really what we're pushing right now and those are only $30 and you guys can get those for 
um, the whole entire conference, all three days. And also, you can go back yeah. on the Facebook group, and you can watch those presentations at your leisure. So if you miss something, you can just pick it up later. Yeah, and I think we're actually going to be uh, showing everybody some of uh, 2020's conference soon too so you can get an idea what that streaming experience will be like yeah we're gonna have to pick up weekend to kind of do that and show some of that as well so uh but everything still remains the same guys we are still um doing shows uh, next week we were we are going to have uh kiki dombrowski heather mosier and amy petula are going to be joining us and after that pd newman and michael hughes are going to also be joining us so we are going through the speakers list of the strange realities conference 2021 and uh we'll have others the next week as well as we kind of gear up for this um kind of at the end of that we will be taking like a much needed two-week break yeah here and on patreon so guys get just to let you know get ready for that but if you still want to support us on patreon we are there at surfio can tell you where to find us can find us at patreon.com slash conspiranormal where you can join the international association of conspiranormalists for as little as five dollars a month and get a new episode every week for the ten dollar level you become a member of our mystic crew where we have special meetups every month and have guests and presentations cutting edge material like you will see at the strange realities conference but every month that's for mystic crew members of ten dollars and up at twenty dollars and up you receive an exclusive conspiranormal t-shirt and you get to enter the ancient circle of strange realities and we're trying to get something special for you guys as well at the conference so stay tuned to that patreon.com slash conspiranormal i'd like to add too that we are going to be on october 1st opening up to the public we're going to try to have some of the speakers from strange realities and we're going to use this as a way a meetup as a way to promote the conference so that anybody who wants to join uh they can do that as well and you can and find out those links on facebook groups and all that all right i think that's it guys join us next week as we continue on for the strange realities conference on conspiranormal strangerealitiesconference.com get your online tickets now please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash conspiranormal or leave a one-time donation at conspiranormal.com. And please check out our YouTube channel, Conspiranormal Podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers. And most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com.